matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, um, open them with me to John chapter 14 and verse 30. John chapter 14, verse 30. I'll put it on the screen. Amen. I, I really was um, considering jumping in at a different point in the notes, but I just felt the last few minutes of praise and worship that we needed to start here, so we're going to do that. I want to talk to you this morning about living a carefree, worry-free life. Living a carefree, worry-free life. Anybody interested? Carefree, worry-free life. Amen. Um, if it was possible, would you be interested? I mean, if you, know, it's, you say, well, I'm interested, but who could do that? No, look, I'm telling you, it's your birthright. A carefree, worry-free life is the birthright of every born-again believer. It's the birthright of every child of God. As a matter of fact, let me be so bold this morning not to offend you right out of the gates, but if you're not living a carefree, worry-free life, it's being stolen from you. It's being stolen from you. Amen. And, um, and so we're going we're gonna to learn some things about it. Praise God. All right, so John chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus says, I'll no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Let me give you that same verse from the Amplified. I will not talk with you much more, for the prince, evil genius, ruler of this world is coming, and he has no claim on me. He has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. Now, we've looked at this, of course, from the instructions the Bible gives to us in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, where it says, give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. And here we see that Jesus had given no place to the devil. He had not received anything that came from the devil, originated from the devil. Therefore, when the, when the devil was coming for him, there was nothing that belonged to the devil in Jesus. And since there was nothing in Jesus that belonged to the devil, there was nothing for the devil to claim. And so we preached a couple of sermons uh, by that title, um, No Place, No Claim, No Power. Because Jesus had given the devil no place, the devil had no claim. And because the devil had no claim, he had no power over Jesus. Now the part I want you to see this morning, we haven't really said it in these exact words uh, up until this point, although we've been to this verse a few times now, is that Jesus knew the devil was coming, but he was not afraid. He knew the devil was coming and was about to bring all the powers of darkness and evil and hatred and, and, and steal, kill, destroy. The, all of that was about to be brought against Jesus. And Jesus was not stressed. Jesus was not frightened. Jesus was not looking for a place to run and hide. Right? Worry-free, carefree. You say, but Pastor Mark, that, that was Jesus. Remember, Jesus at this point was a man, the Bible says, like you and me. So why could Jesus know the devil was coming but not be afraid? It's because the devil had no place in him. Because Jesus had given him no place, there was nothing that the devil could lay claim to, and since there was nothing the devil could lay claim to, then he had no power over Jesus. Now turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. If we could open to two places in the Bible at the same time, I would tell you to open to Proverbs 4 and John 14. But let's, for sake of time, go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. And we're going to look at verse number 1. We're going to look at verse number 1. But we're going to look at verse number 1 in just a moment, all right? 
Because we see in Proverbs 4 that the Bible instructs us to guard our heart. Let me, let me get exactly correct about it. You guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. I can't guard yours for you. You can't guard mine for me. This is a personal responsibility that each individual has. Guard your heart, the Bible says, with all diligence. This isn't something that we do occasionally. This is not something that we do on Sunday mornings. This is not something that we, we do the first Sunday of the month. This is, this is something that we do with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of your heart, spring the issues of life. Our Heavenly Father created us to live from the inside out. Most people on planet earth, even born-again believers, most born-again believers are trying to live from the outside in. Because we do not understand how we were created to live, we wind up living directly opposite to that. And of course, in the cor- in, 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 you know, over the course of our studying in, in these things, we looked at what the Bible says. Jesus said that from the heart... From the heart come forth either good things or evil things. And he said that in connection with a tree that either brings forth good fruit or bad fruit. And as amazing as it may sound, and even if you think about it, as unbelievable as it may sound, we've all experienced it, we've all witnessed it. If you've ever eaten an apple or seen an apple, we know that the apple comes from where? It comes from inside the tree doesn't come from the outside in, it comes from the inside out. And he's comparing our lives to that same situation. So what's going on in our lives right now is a reflection of what we have allowed into our hearts. Amen. Now you got to own it for you can disown it. And the sooner we come to this understanding, the better, right? What's going on in your life, good or bad, this morning is a reflection of what you as an individual, what I as an individual, have allowed into my heart. This is why he says you've got to guard your heart because your heart is is the pump of life. And whatever you allow into your heart, it's going to be brought forth into your life. Either something good or something bad. Either something positive or something negative. Now, let's look at John chapter 14 and verse 1. Again, this is Jesus speaking. And he gives us these instructions. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, let's break this verse down and and really uh, unpack what Jesus is saying to us here. But all done for the purpose of being able to apply this to our own lives. So let's begin with that first word, let. Let means allow, and since this is a let not, he's saying do do not allow. Let means allow, and let not then means do not allow. Do not allow your heart. Again, there's that word, your This is speaking of the same personal responsibility that we see in Proverbs 4 and also in other places throughout the Word of God. 
The other thing that I want to point out to you, and, and this, is a, this is a really big point, and I think one that you've got to come to terms with if you're going to benefit from what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. And that is, Jesus would have never told us to not allow our heart to be troubled if it was impossible for us to not allow our heart to be troubled. In other words, if this was out of reach, if this was something that was, was beyond our control, if this was something that, that was impossible to do, or is, as we often hear people say things like, man, I just couldn't help it. If you just couldn't help your heart becoming troubled, then Jesus would have never told us, do not allow your heart to be troubled. But because He's telling us to not allow it to be troubled, this tells me that there's something that we can do to prevent our hearts from being troubled. Amen? So we've got to come to that conclusion. Now, listen, we've moved on beyond how things look, seem, and feel, right? You say, well, Pastor Mark, it just seems like, it just feels like, it just looks like. Well, again, we're not living by how it looks, seems, and feels. We're living by what the Word of God says. And, and Jesus Himself, the head of the church, He says to you and me, do not allow your heart to be troubled. He would have never told you to not allow something if you had no say-so, if there was nothing you could do to prevent it. Now, since the beginning of this year, we've been talking about giving place. We spent some months talking about giving place to God in our lives, giving Him the place that He deserves in our lives. And now we've taken a, a journey into giving no place to the devil and what that looks like. Throughout the course of that study, we've said that nowhere in Scripture will you find a verse that exactly says, give, uh, give God the place He deserves. But what you do find are lots of words that mean that or point to that. Worship, for instance. Glorifying Him, for instance. And believe it or not, this word, let, is another give place word. When He's saying, do not allow, He's saying, do not give place to thoughts and or things that trouble your heart. Don't give place to them. Don't allow them. If you were to guard your own heart, if you, if you were to stand as the gatekeeper of your own heart, at the entrance to your own heart, and let cert certain things in, but refuse to let other things in. See, one of the problems that we've had in our lives is we've let the things of the world into our hearts, and we've kept the things of God outside of our hearts. But we're reversing that now. Now we're allowing the things of God into our heart and we're saying no to the things of this world. Does anybody remember how you shut the devil down? You shut the devil down by shutting him out. You give him no place. And so you are the gatekeeper. You have the personal... Father will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you. The living Word of God will help you. But this is not something they can do for you. You are the gatekeeper. You have the personal responsibility of what you give place to in your heart and what you refuse to give place to in your heart. Jesus, like the rest of us, had every opportunity to give place to the things of this world, to give place to the lies of the devil in his heart. He refused to give place to those things. That's why when the devil was coming for him, Jesus said, he's coming for me, but he has nothing in me. There's nothing in me that came from him. There's nothing in me he can lay claim to. I've given him no place. He has no claim. Therefore, he has no power. 
And the same is true for you and me. If we don't allow the things of the devil into our heart, right, then he has no claim over us and therefore has no power over us. So Jesus said, do not allow your heart to be troubled. Heart speaks of the inward man. Proverbs 4 says that's the place from which your life springs forth. Your heart is the place from which your life springs forth. Not what's going on the outside coming into you, but what's going on on the inside of you coming forth from you. Now if this is true, and it is, from the heart spring forth the issues of life, the reason Jesus is telling you do not let your heart be troubled is simply this. A troubled heart will always produce a troubled life. A troubled heart will produce a troubled life. If there's trouble in your heart, there's going to be trouble in your life. If there's stress in your heart, there's going to be stress-filled situations in your life. If there's anxiety in your heart, it's going to produce all kinds of anxious uh, situations going on in your life around you. Now please, please let the Holy Spirit help you see this this morning. This is another one of those areas where most people think exactly opposite to the truth and the way things really are. What does that mean? It's not a troubled life creating a troubled heart. It's a troubled heart creating a troubled life. We think that because there's trouble going on around us, it's causing trouble on the inside of us. It's just the opposite. It's trouble on the inside of us that's creating the trouble going on around us. Remember what he said. He said, he said to us in the Old Testament, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. See, the world, and again, the influence of the world influencing people in the body of Christ, influencing people in the church, they believe, man, if I could just get what, what I desire, I'll be delighted. Notice how we've got it just the opposite. We think if we can get that new vehicle, if we can get that new house, if we can get that new job, if we can get this certain amount of income, blah, blah, all these things, that if we can just get what our heart desires, then we'll have just be so delighted in life. Do you know how many billionaires have troubled hearts? See, there is a cause and effect here. But one of the things the devil loves to deceive us about is which one's the cause and which one's the effect. We think the troubled life is the cause and the troubled heart is the effect. It's just the opposite. It's a troubled heart that's the cause that's affecting the quality of life and condition of life that you're experiencing. Because, again, from the heart spring forth the issues of life. Now, I asked you a moment ago, anyone interested in living a carefree, worry-free life? Carefree, worry-free is an inward attitude that produces an outward reality. Again, we think that if we can reach a certain 
level in life, a certain status in life, a certain financial position in life, if we can just get this degree, or if we can just get this promotion, or if we can just win that person's heart, or if we could just move to this neighborhood. In other words, we're thinking that somehow this would produce carefree, worry-free. My friend, carefree, worry-free has nothing to do with what's going on on the outside of you and has everything to do with what's going on on the inside of you. Carefree, worry-free is an inward attitude that produces an outward reality. Quit thinking, therefore, carefree, worry-free is dependent upon outward circumstances and conditions. It's not. It's not, it's not, it's not. And the reality of it is this, carefree, worry-free is a choice. It's a choice that every single person, especially the born-again believer, has the opportunity to make. Here's another thing the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, quit thinking you'll just wake up one day, hit the emotional lottery, and find yourself carefree, worry-free. Has nothing to do with chance. Has nothing to do with outward circumstances. Has nothing to do with status or condition in life. It has to do with the condition of your inward man. It has to do with an attitude of your heart. Now, Jesus said, do not allow your heart to be troubled. Troubled means agitated, stirred up, bothered. Okay? Again, troubled means agitated, stirred up, bothered. It is the opposite of settled or calm. The opposite of settled or calm. Now, think with me for a moment. The natural, or we could say intended state, is settled. That's how, in other words, what I mean by natural or, or intended, we could say it this way. Settled is how it's supposed to be. If a container or body of water is agitated, it's because some outside force is acting upon it. In other words, as long as I hold this glass perfectly still, the water will eventually become settled. But if I slosh it around, it's going to become agitated. If I just set it here and leave it alone, don't pound on the pulpit, right? Don't bump it with my hand. I'm watching it. You can't see it. It's, it's, it's starting where it's not moving at all. It's becoming perfectly settled, perfectly calm. If I picked it up and moved it around again, an outside force acting upon that glass of water is going to cause it what? To once again become stirred up, once again bothered, annoyed, once again acted upon by an outside force. Something is agitating it. So when Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled, He's saying, do not allow things to agitate your heart. Do not allow things to stir you up and bother you. Come on now. He'd have never told, don't need to remind you, he'd have never told you to do it if it wasn't possible. So bother means to annoy. Let's put that on the screen. Annoy, disturb. I like the last part of the definition. Interfere with one's comfort or peace of mind. Interfere with one's comfort or peace of mind. So I'm offering to you this morning that the default setting for the human heart is peace. 
The default setting for, for the human heart is comfort and peace of mind. God did not create us to be troubled. He created us to be settled. He didn't create you to be stirred up and agitated and annoyed and bothered. He created you to have peace and calm and, and, and to be settled and to be established and to be rooted and grounded in life. Not to be moved by everything that comes along and, and every wind that blows through your life. So when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, He's saying, do not allow your heart to be agitated, stirred up, and bothered. Now, this might be the simplest thing I say all morning, but it might be the most important as far as you practically connecting with what Jesus is saying to you. What are you allowing to bother you? What are you allowing to bother you? Am I the only one that from time to time I'll say something like this to Pam or my family? Man, it's really starting to bother me. See, if you just listen, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. Words, what's going on in the heart's going to come out of the mouth, right? Man, that is really starting to annoy me. See, this happens because we're not guarding our heart. We're not paying attention. We're not focused on what's coming in and out of our heart. We're just allowing whatever blows through to come in and out. We don't realize that we actually have a choice to not allow that thing, that thought, to bother you. I didn't ask you what's bothering you this morning. I asked you what are you allowing to bother you. There's a difference, right? See, we always go, I'll tell you what's bothering me. No, 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 don't tell me what's bothering you. Tell me what you're allowing to bother you. We got, we got to get it straight this morning. What are you allowing to bother you? One of my favorite verses out of Isaiah, Isaiah 26, 3, the Bible says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I would suggest you memorizing that one putting that one on your mirror or on your dash or on your refrigerator or what have you. You will keep him in perfect peace. Not just peace, but perfect peace whose mind is stayed. King James Version, I think, says fixed on you because he trusts in you. Now notice here we have basically three statements you will keep him in perfect peace statement one whose mind is stayed on you statement two because he trusts in you statement three notice that in this verse we see the part that God desires to do but then we also see the part that is our responsibility and we see what is the hidden reason or, or the hidden uh, effect produced by keeping our mind stayed on Him. In other words, where, where our minds are fixed, we, we, 
We don't allow thoughts into our heart that don't come from God. We don't set our minds on things that are not true. We don't allow the things of this world to agitate us, annoy us by focusing on those things and allowing them into our hearts. And the Bible says that if you will set your mind, fix your mind, your mind stayed on Him, that He will keep you in perfect peace. But here's the thing. He cannot keep you in perfect peace if you allow things into your heart that didn't come from Him. You just overrode him. Remember a few weeks back we were talking about how you can bind and rebuke cats all you want to, but they're going to keep coming back as long as you put milk on your front porch. And that's, that's, a, that's what we're talking about, giving place to the devil. We want to bind and rebuke the devil on one hand, but then swing the door wide open for him on the other hand, and it'll, it'll never work. I'm sure we've got some parents in the room this morning. Do you want to raise agitated children? Do you want your children to be bothered and stressed out all the time? Are you, are you wanting, does it make you feel uh, like, a, like a successful parent if your children are in a constant state of being annoyed and troubled and stressed and bothered and anxious? Absolutely not. As parents, we want our children to be at peace. We want our children to be at rest. We want our children to be steady and settled and calm. Am I right about it? Where do you think we get that heart for our children from? We get it from our Father. Our Father in heaven created you to be settled. He created you to be at peace. He created you to live in comfort. He created you to, to have a, not a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. So His desire is for you and for me to be in perfect peace. But as long as we set our minds on something other than Him, and what I mean by Him, I don't mean it's like all you think about is God, 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 God. But I'm talking about as you think in life, you think through that lens. Amen? So you brush your teeth in the morning. I'm thinking for my teeth, Father. As you, tr you bring Him into the details of your life, you focus and, 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 and see, we said this last week, we're going to talk about it some more, but the best way to, do, to not do one thing is to do that thing's opposite. How do you, how do you keep the bad thoughts out? By keeping your, your heart full and mind full of the good things, right? Now, here we also see that as our mind is stayed on the Lord, guess what's going to happen? We're going to begin to trust Him more and more and more. You realize that worry is simply meditating on the wrong things. And there are certain things that you can think about and meditate on that's going to cause fear to grow and deepen in your heart. But in the same way, there are other things that you can think about that will cause faith to grow and deepen in your heart. I've given this quote a few times here lately. I put it up on the board. Creflo Dollar said this, Peace is my most valuable emotional asset. I will not waste mine on other people's drama. Peace is my most valuable emotional asset. I will not waste mine on other people's drama. 
I really feel like the Holy Spirit told me to put this in my notes, and so you just take it and do with it as you will. But he said this would include the drama of national politics. You can't keep letting that strife into your heart. You can't keep letting what's going on in Washington trouble your heart and that not result in trouble in your life. Our responsibilities are to pray for our leaders. But even then, he said, pray for them so that it might be well with you. Father said, pray for them because the decisions they make affect us, and we should be praying that they make wise decisions so that we won't have more things that we have to overcome in our lives by faith. Pray for them that it may be well with you. You don't have to know everything that's in the Mueller report to pray for our president and for our leaders. Are you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to listen to news networks that deliberately get two people on opposite sides of an issue to argue in front of you on your television, getting you all stirred up, getting you all hot and bothered, getting you all ready, right? I mean, you're ready to go hurt somebody. You, you, I mean, you know, you see somebody with a bumper sticker that has a, a, a different political persuasion than you do, man, you're ready to ram them. I mean, you're just ready just to knock them off the road. Cut somebody, they cut you off in traffic, you know, and you, you catch up to them and they're, I knew there was a Republican. I knew it, right? I knew there was an Auburn fan. I knew it, right? See, notice, notice we, right? Come on now. You let this stuff stir you up. Have you not figured out by now that your enemy is trying to keep you stirred up, agitated, and bothered 24-7, 365? Quit making it so easy on him. All these uh, judge shows and, and uh, uh, what's, what, I, don't, I don't even know the names of them anymore, thank God. Um, keeping up with who? Is there a lot of strife on that show? You know, I'm talking about these talk shows, you know, where they bring in, they do the paternity test, they got a, a, a boyfriend and a girlfriend screaming and hollering at each other, fussing and fighting and all that other craziness. Then you're going to watch Judge Judy figure out, you know, who scratched whose car and, and, and conflict and strife and argument and people fussing and fighting and people can't get enough of it. What in the world? No wonder we live in a troubled world. So many people are allowing trouble in their hearts. Troubled heart, troubled life. Shut that stuff out. Shut that stuff off. Oh, sweet Jesus. It's just, it's, that's the world system. Trying to keep us all angry at one another. Have you not figured out yet that, that those folks make their living off of division? They make their living off of strife? I asked you a question a few weeks ago. How much power would the devil have if nobody listened to him? If we all ignored him? If we just refused to acknowledge he even existed? You see, I'm not talking about Everybody, I'm talking about if just folks who believe in Jesus would shut that stuff off, they'd go out of business. They couldn't make it without us. 
I'm going to give you one last verse and then we're going to do communion, all right? John chapter 16, verse 33. You get anything out of this this morning? John 16, 33. Jesus speaking. He said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. In the world you will have tribulation, there will be pressure, there will be situations and circumstances that happen all around you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if you want to watch something that, you know, other than like somebody preaching on television, don't judge me, but could I recommend to you America's Got Talent? I probably cried for 15 minutes the other day. If you have not seen the blind autistic boy sit sit down at that piano and sing from his toenails. On that same episode, there was a man, he was the human crossbow, or he got on a crossbow and was shot out of it, whatever. On fire. My favorite parts of shows like that it's when people have had this talent for years and years, maybe decades, but they never were really sure that they could sing. They never were really sure that they could, they just, you know, I mean, your family tells you you're good, but they're your family that's supposed to tell you you're good, right? And so for the first time ever, they step out on a stage in front of, you know, five or 6,000 people in an audience and millions on, with a judge who could hit you with a red buzzer, right? and they identify their fear and move towards it, and they take that microphone, and they find out that they really can. Are you, I don't know, it, do, it does something to me inwardly when people finally discover you know, one of the main reasons they're on planet Earth. And so, obviously this guy, but here's the one the Lord spoke to me through, though. This man, he sets himself on fire. He shoots, shot out of this crossbow, and he lands however many yards, you know, 50, 100 yards, whatever, down the parking lot in an airbag. And he climbs out of the airbag, and he's still on fire. On this part of this drama, right? Everybody's, oh, you know, something wrong. Then they go to commercial, right, because they want you to watch all the commercials. But I record the program, so I don't have to watch the commercials. And so, anyway... They finally get him put out, and they're like, is he okay, is he okay? And he unzips the suit, pulls out of that suit, and there he is, right? What's the point? There's a difference between being on fire and being on fire in a fireproof suit. Right? 
Just as there is a difference between being in this world and being in Christ and in this world. You see the difference there, right? He said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. So we live in a world where there's trouble. But we're not just in this world. We're in Christ in this world. And because we're in Christ in this world, we can be in a world full of trouble and not be troubled. We can be in a suit on fire and the fire not touch us because we're in Him and the trouble going on on the outside of us is not affecting us in Him. Are you seeing the difference there? Amen. Singers, musicians, would you please come? Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for you. I tell you what, let's stand. I'm going to have you sit right back down after I pray, but let's just stand, give you a minute, stretch your legs. Those who are going to be serving communion, if you would, please um, come forward. Amen. Praise God. All right, as they're coming, Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for these beautiful men and women. Thank you, Father, for the things that your word reveals to us, the truth that's been hidden from us maybe, but not any longer. Lord, that we can live a carefree, worry-free life in this world filled, filled with trouble because we're not just in this world, we're in Christ in this world, Father. And you would keep us in perfect peace in the midst of the chaos, but we've got to keep our minds stayed on you. It's the power of focus, Father. And you're teaching us how to use it for your glory. Father, I pray over every person in this room, Lord, some folks are dealing with some more serious trouble than others in their lives. But Father, I thank you for showing us how to get that peace in our hearts. Because Father, if a troubled heart leads to a troubled life, then a peace-filled heart will, live to a, will lead to a peace-filled life. And I thank you, Lord, that that's your desire for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be